everyone, welcome to the House of Learning podcast. I'm Richard and we've got some guests today. One is a regular. Hi, I'm Molly. And we've got two irregulars. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Brandon. <laughs> and this is Bethany. And you guys are from our communities team. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so no surprises, the topic we wanted to talk about today was community. I thought we were here for chocolate. Yeah, that comes later. Oh, <laughs> good, good. Your reward, depending on how yes. well this goes. Um, yeah, because community is a huge deal yep. just to Jesus because it's all over the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big challenge at Westside because we've got this giant church and it's really easy to wander in, wander out and not really develop community. Indeed. So it's a big challenge for us. But also what when the Bible, well, actually it doesn't really use the word community, but when it points at this concept of like yeah. a biblical community, it's a little bit different to we use the word in our culture and we we tend to think, yeah, I've got community, like I know my neighbours, or I have friends, or I have a gaming group I hang out with, or like there's some things that we point at as community which are a bit different than what the Bible defines as like biblical community. So there's loads of stuff to unpack. Where should we dive in? Should we we do a bit of a definition? Yeah. Having having just said it's different, (laughs) we should maybe point out why it's different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What would be... Like, how could we characterize the way our community, sorry, not our community, our culture, just generally, not even a Christian culture, just like Portlanders, when they talk about community, there's some stuff that might come to mind. Like, what what do you guys hear people talking about? Shared interests is a huge one. Yeah, that's cool. Or even, like, community outreach. Like, yeah. justice is yeah. kind of the, the buzz thing in yeah. Portland. Yeah. Similar season of life. Like, hmm. cross-generations is often not a characteristic of community. You kind of yeah. like to hang out with people that are similar seasons yeah. with you. And that kind of sh- shared season, shared interest, is there's a kind of relatability piece. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and people often enter into community because they're trying, they're, they're wanting to get something. In, in a sense, I mean, you may not use that language. But if I'm joining up with, say, a board gaming group, maybe I really like board games. Well, I need some other people to play board games with. And so I'm partaking in this group because I want to play board games. Yeah. Yeah, there's an interesting aside here of like, because I'm a philosopher, I can't help but have this enter my head of like Aristotle did this huge discussion about whether friendship or community could ever be altruistic Mm. or whether it was at bottom always motivated by wanting to get something out of others. Right. So there's just a, that's an interesting Mm. question. There's a tension there. (laughs) (laughs) But it does contrast really nicely with what biblical community is about. Yeah, so even before we like open some scriptures, to actually like go fishing for an answer <laughs> what are some of the like buzzwords that help us get our heads around like what's what's the difference what mm-hmm. does a biblical community the kind of thing the new testament lays out like here's how you should live like what are some of the different ingredients it has absolutely um <coughs> sacrifice uh, sacrificial love the willingness right. to give of what i've got for the sake of you because i see that you have a need and i've got a surplus so let's balance this out a little bit yeah so that could be more of a like i'm going to join this board gaming group i don't even like board games but you're lonely yeah mm-hmm. and this is a way that i can reach out to you mm. build a relationship with you become a part of your life spend time with you and you love board games incidentally i love board games too but <laughs> i, I feel like of all <coughs> <laughs> I feel like we need to uh, have a side conversation after this, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are some other ones, other like, aspects of biblical community that might be a bit different? Hmm. Well, I mean, just the fact that you're united around more than just interest. You're, around, you're united around um, your mutual commitment to Christ. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, that yeah. changes everything. That yeah. changes just like the, the skeleton of which you're, you're building off and adding muscles to. Yeah. It's interesting because you pointed out, especially in Portland, there's that kind of a shared mission. Mm. Um, but, and so we have that as well. We have this big kingdom mission. But it's right. a little bit different because maybe if I was just an average Portlander, there might be something I care about. And that's like one of my causes I care about. And that's why I look for people to share that with. Yeah. Whereas the Jesus cause isn't mine. It's mm. his. Like mm-hmm. I don't get to pick and choose. Mm. So you know, so if you're if you're a Jesus follower and I'm a Jesus follower, like it or not, we're on the same mission. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So there's something automatically that that makes a connection. So yeah. that's that's interesting. There's something more deep and underlying that might yeah. bond us together. Mm. Yeah. I think to even to contrast my own contribution, uh biblical community is often multi generational. Mm. Like the the older are pouring into the younger, the younger are learning from the older, the, the younger are stirring up a passion that the older uh, can be inspired by. There's there's um, mutual giving and receiving of multi-generations. That is a biblical model for uh, what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God uh, that is often not found in culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. That, and, and that's not just a, we happen to do that. That's like a biblical like Paul commands or yep. commissions yep. or exhorts yep. like hey the older women should be training up the young women mm. the older guys should be training up the young men yep. yeah yep. in Titus yeah. yeah yeah so here's uh, here's the passage I go to um, which I think is a really good like shines a light on what makes biblical community tick mm. and so it's in Philemon so I'm just going to read a little bit of Philemon um, and maybe I'd just say a little bit about Philemon because it's this weird little letter <laughs> written by Paul that people don't really, you know, get into that much. Well, it's a really which cool is a letter. shame. I love Philemon. Yeah, it's a really cool one. But um, what had happened is there was this uh, guy who was a slave called Onesimus and he had run away from his owner, Philemon, or probably run away. And in the midst of like going underground or whatever, going on the run, he'd encountered Paul, got to know Jesus and had become someone who was working for the gospel with Paul. But then Paul finds out, like, oh, you're a, sl- you're a runaway slave. And, like, being a runaway slave was like, okay, you're dead, buddy. And if you're harboring one, you're in, like, serious trouble. So it's not a good situation. But, um, you know, Philemon, the owner, is a Christian as well. So Paul's going to write to Philemon and explain, like, what the Jesus shape outcome should be mm. here. So it's a, it's like a theology of like what should happen in this kind of situation, which is really interesting because, you know, Paul's, he's in a bit of a bind. Like he knows slavery is a bad thing, but in the midst of that culture, he can't just be like, oh, you're, you were a slave. But oh, forget about it though. Philemon's probably, he's probably cool. Right. Because what Paul's aiming at, the whole letter is about reconciliation. Mm. Yeah. And that there, there should be like this unity there shouldn't be an issue. There shouldn't be a problem between the two of you, between Philemon and Onesimus. And so Paul it's really short, but Paul gets into this and he says in verse four, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. So he's like affirming, you know, the, the Jesus-shaped life that Philemon's got. He says, because I hear of your love that you have for all the saints and of the faith you have towards the Lord Jesus. And so 
it's interesting he actually puts the love first because often Paul will talk about, yeah, you guys are following Jesus and loving each other. Yeah. But in this context, he puts the love first. And you mentioned sacrificial love. So I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Here we're seeing a bit of this love being at the foreground because he wants to emphasize that. And he says, and I pray that. So here's his like request now. <laughs> so like yeah. there's this situation unrolling. What should happen? He says, I pray that the sharing of your faith, and I'm reading the ESV here, which is not a great translation of this. The NIV isn't either. So caught between a rock and a hard place. Incidentally, we did a podcast on translation some time ago. So this is another example of how if you read the same passage in two translations, you'll, you'll think this sentence means two different things. Um, but he, he points that I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. And here's, here's where it gets interesting. Because this word sharing is the Greek word koinonia. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those Greek words that l- most people have heard of because yep. we often talk about Christian fellowship, yep. mm-hmm. like togetherness. Yep. And, and so uh, this is why I love this because when we talk about Christian fellowship, which is pretty close to us saying something to do with community, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. we tend to think of like, yeah, hanging out together, <laughs> but doing like spiritual stuff. So if you're going to play a board game, it should be like Bible trivia. <laughs> so like, there's some I would be down for it, 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 it <laughs> but it's this kind of you know do something together hang out together you know enjoy each other's company because you're all Christians Absolutely. but this um, this letter puts pressure on that it's really interesting because this this sharing of your faith and by the way when we say share your faith we normally in our culture think oh tell people about Jesus evangelism Absolutely. That's just not a way the New Testament uses that word. Mm-hmm. So when he talks about sharing, coinoneering the faith you've got, he's he means something else. So we have to like fish fish for what he means. Yeah. Um, and what Paul's going to go on to do is he's going to explain what this sharing should look like. And the invitation he says to Philemon is, I want you to receive Onesimus as if he was me. And I want you to pass to me Onesimus' debt as if it was mine. Now, that ought to sound a little bit familiar because that's what Jesus does. Mm -hmm. He stands between the sinner and God and does those two. There's this priestly kind of role, right? And so Paul is is being Jesus in this situation and bringing about reconciliation but he's bringing it about not by saying like, "Oh, you you should just like because Jesus forgave you, you should forgive Onesimus." Like he could easily have said that. Absolutely. But he says something different. He says, "No, because you participate in Christ, all three of us participate in each other," which means that Onesimus's debt actually is mine. Yeah. And like th- there's this mutuality, this like interchange and exchange because they all participate in one another. And so we, we start to see that this um, this koinonia is more than just hanging out together. When he's talking about sharing, he's talking about, hey, our lives don't just overlap because we happen to have like run into each other, but they actually like overlap and, and participate in each other because we're in the body of Christ. And I would say that that's probably one of the biggest contrasts to typical community. 
right? Biblical mm-hmm. community has this almost enmeshing of lives together where what is affecting you is affecting me. We're, we're told at one point by Paul to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, right? There, there, there is this coming together of, of resources, of time, of emotions that happens within biblical community that you just really don't get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and I, I think in a lot of ways, we all hunger for that kind of intimacy. Mm-hmm. We hunger for those spaces where you, you not just kind of understand what I'm going through, but you are sitting there with me in the muck of it but also standing there rejoicing with me in the triumph of it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a taking ownership of each other. Yeah. Right? So this is like when Jesus said, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. I'm not just weeping with you or rejoicing with you because I empathize and want to show compassion. I'm weeping because when you get hurt, it hurts me Mm. because we're the body of Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like what your life is mine. We have this like mutual ownership of each other. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, that's just like profoundly different than hanging out to another. Indeed. Like that's that's looking at our lives and it's an invitation to give up our like deeply valued Western sense of independence and individualism. Yeah. Like that's to us makes us think that's when you know you're killing it and flourishing as a human being. <laughs> and instead to be interdependent, mm-hmm. to actually depend on each other. To live and and not in a I don't know, sometimes we think, oh, yeah, like when someone's like their independence has gone wrong and they're having a disaster, we should help them. But this is no, this that's not what Paul's saying in Philemon. He's saying we ought to live the kind of lives where we actually intentionally live in such a way as we foster and encourage that interdependence. Absolutely. Right. I mean, you even think about like um, like my our our friend Shelby, she like hurt her toe one day and it was her baby toe, like the tiniest little toe, but it affected her whole body like when you hurt even a small member of your body you can feel it throughout your whole body and that's like such a beautiful physical representation of what's going on that you that thing that that you're fleshing out that you're unpacking is it it's not just that like I can feel bad because someone else is hurting it's that it deeply affects me as well because we are part of the of the same body that's riddled all throughout scripture absolutely and we don't lose this giving up our individualism it doesn't mean we lose our like distinction from each other and the diversity but this is like this is a different way to look at life absolutely that it's a shared thing rather Mm -hmm. than mine and then this whole idea of like can you have a relationship with someone that's not about getting something out of them just goes away yeah because that's that's not what need is not driving this it's like a certain way of life that's driving it instead so then um Paul goes on and he kind of explains what if you do the sharing what will be the outcome and he says if you know Philemon if you step into this koinonia this kind of shared way of life then the effect will be and this is where the, the translation doesn't quite do it, it justice but it, it points at knowledge that you'll have some knowledge but not the kind of like you'll find something out right. like I'll write you another letter and like reveal the answer to question five <laughs> But it's this Greek word epigonosko, which is to do with like encountering a reality, like finding yourself realizing like, oh, yeah, I, I realize where I am, like what's going on and taking ownership of it and that you might know. And then he says all the good things that, that belong to us in Christ. Yeah. And that then is profound 
Because if I was like, okay, here's like a New Testament secret. Like you might not have noticed it in Philemon. There's something that you can do, like an action you can perform, which will get you all the good things that belong to us in Christ. You'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want that. What's that thing? It's the koinonia way of life. It's a community way of life. I actually, I've got a little quote from N.T. Wright because he, um, he paraphrases this section, which is really cool, so I'm just going to read it to you guys. He says, I am praying that the mutual participation which is proper to the Christian faith you hold may have its full effect in your realization of every good thing God wants to accomplish in us to lead us into the fullness of Christian fellowship, that is, of Christ. It's like a really cool way to put it. Absolutely. But I love that. I love that definition of like, whoa. So community is like, because we look at people who just have to rely on each other and we imagine like, you know, some village in the mountains of Indonesia where they, you know, they all, you know, one of them's going to cut down the the vegetables, one of them's going to hunt, one of them's going to get water, one of them's going to build a fire. One of them's going to make chocolate. On each other. <laughs> in our Western viewpoint, if we had to live that way here in Portland, we'd be like, oh, well, that would be a fail, like you would be failing at life. Mm. And I'm not saying we need to, it needs to look exactly like those metrics of how we depend on each other. It is but, a different but, culture. I'm yeah, sure. but it's such a different culture. And this is like, what would this even look like? <laughs> like, this is crazy talk to what? us. And what you're talking about here, is, I mean, but Paul's appeal to Philemon is countercultural in that day. Like you were saying about slaves. I mean, if someone runs away, that's a death sentence, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so Paul is setting into Philemon's story saying, hey, I'm going to ask something of you that you're not going to like, but due to the fact that we are all united in Christ, this is really what you should do anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, the call on us is the same. I mean, there are, there are going to be countercultural things that we have to do within fellowship, within community today, that aren't necessarily going to feel comfortable. That's exactly what Christ is calling us to, to step into one another's story. Yeah. So we should example this. Like, now yeah. should we, we should play this out. Which actually the New Testament gives us loads of, not just hints, but blatant suggestions. <laughs> yeah. Of like, what could it look like to live in this way? So now we understand, like, what's fueling it. Yeah. Um, so what's, uh, I mean, one example I think of is the end of James. Mm. So the end of James, James, he kind of says, hey, if you find like a brother or a sister who's like caught in sin and you rescue them, you've saved them from death. You've done a really good thing. And one way to look at that is like looking at my own sin and being like, oh yeah, I need rescuing. But actually it's an invitation to have each other's backs, yeah, to look Indeed. out for each other. Like, hey, the thing you're wrestling with, now I understand it's the coin and ear that's fueling my desire to step in and help you with it. It's not because I'm a, christian and i'm judgmental mm-hmm. and holier than thou it just you're being hurt by the sin therefore i'm being hurt yeah. and you, because you're trapped or deceived by that you can't see what to do but i'm i'm not i can do something about it i should call it out i should do something i should step in i should help yeah. rescue you you know yeah but it's so hard it's so yeah. hard to do that and, and that's not the western way is it no yeah. not at all it's like no. oh well that's your step i don't have to step in it's I mean, it's the amount of your Christians problem. i've run into who are like yeah i'm just I'm not really ready to join a community or meet with you or mm. because I've just got some stuff I need to deal with. It's like, no, mm-hmm. like the whole point of dealing with it is that Jesus says you should do it with relying people. on these other yeah. people, yeah. which not only is it, I mean, I think from our Western mindset and uh, emotionally because of our culture to us, that sounds harder. Yeah. 
But the reason Jesus is laying this out is not because it's harder, but it's going to be good for you. But actually, it's better. Yeah. Like, it's easier. It works better if you do this. It actually lasts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we can look at one of the reasons behind why it's so difficult to enter into those spaces when, we, when we've got something going on. So, so going back to this example of I've got some things I'm working out and I'm, I'm not quite ready to step into community because I'm wanting to get these things, things figured out. Uh, th- there's almost this... Uh, well, there is. It's not this almost. There, there is this image management that takes place within today's culture. I mean, social media has a lot of great benefits, but it's also caused a culture that says that I need to focus on what people think of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea of setting into community where the open invitation is to be honest with where you're at, um, that, that's terrifying. But it is so freeing at the same time because you yeah. realize you don't have to hide behind this veneer of a smiling face and vacation pictures and always having an exciting life. It's okay for things to be boring. It's okay for things to be hard. It's okay for you to have screwed up at times. But to, to bring it before people and say, hey, this is this is the gunk I'm messing with yeah. right now and I need help because I simply can't do it alone. Which mm-hmm. gets to that, like, you know, the, it's the classic contrast. Like social media allows people to know my image. But building relationships with people enables them to know me, mm-hmm. yeah. which is why we have to work at f- like being intentional, fostering quality time with people where we actually build relationships and get to know people and allow ourselves to become known. Absolutely. Which is partly what our community groups are that space, right? Absolutely. We don't get everyone up like, hey, it's your turn to get on stage this <laughs> Sunday. We're going to like interview you before the whole church so everyone can know you. <laughs> <laughs> that would just, I mean, that'd be hilarious for some people, <laughs> but it just, that is so impractical. So we, we break down into small groups. Absolutely. Yep. So I mean, this is a good point to like, I mean, there's other like aspects of community we should unpack, but I want to ask like, what's that look like at Westside? Like what are those groups look like how do you get into them what's it like to join one are people gonna like put you in the hot seat when you arrive (laughs) you need to do this 2000 word questionnaire (laughs) so so from big picture a lot of our communities are are very different but they share a couple core similarities one of which is usual size so most of our communities when you go in you can expect them to be anywhere between like six to twenty folk um, and a lot of that is determined based on how much size or the, the space of the yeah. the size of the space they're meeting in. Um, it's going to be based on the folks involved. There's going to be some folks who are like, yeah, let's get 20 people together in an apartment. There's going to be some people like, mm, how about like 10 people in a 3,000 square foot house and yeah. have a little bit more elbow room. Um, usually there's going to be some sort of discussion that takes place. So one of the things we do really push people into is to really wrestle with this whole what does it mean to follow Jesus in the context of other people. Yeah, um, which is great because that allows some of the aspects of who we are to come out that aren't part of our normal conversation. Absolutely. Right? And in the midst of a conversation where you've got the plumb line of, like, God's word helping, like, orient us as we, like, learn about each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, Christ with his disciples, Christ would go and he would speak, and then his disciples would come back to him and say, um... We're not quite sure we're tracking with you on that. Could you explain a little bit more? Yeah. And he's able to provide some feedback. So there's this chance to dialogue and wrestle with and understand. And really, we want that to be able to take, we want people to be able to do that. And the best form for that is within communities, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's not, there's not that space on a Sunday. There's too many people. Um, Dom or whoever's teaching is only one person. It's hard to have that, that space to actually have a deeper conversation about how it actually applies to you or, um, 
yeah, just what's going on in your own life or what, what God's wanting to speak over someone else. You can't, you can't really do that on a, on a busy Sunday. And so this provides space within a deeper, deeper relationship, deeper friendship as sisters and brothers to actually speak truth over each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, w- I was just going to ask. So uh, with that in mind, what does community look like for you guys? Like, yeah. do you, are you in a community? Do you lead a community? What does that look like? Yeah, so Bethany and I actually started the community about a year and a half, a year and some change ago. Something like that. Um, our community meets twice a month, uh, occasionally three times a month. So we've get, we got the first Wednesday, third Wednesday, and if we've got a fifth Wednesday, we'll do something on that day. Uh, typically, we'll have someone share their story on the first Wednesday. So tonight we got one of our guys, uh, we're going to share a meal together, and then after the meal, he's going to just basically give us his Jesus story. Um, so from the beginning to end, yeah. where he's at now. And then after that, we'll circle around and then we'll pray together. Um, on our third weeks, we're typically delving into one of the spiritual disciplines. Um, so right now we're going through the study of scripture. So how do we delve into scripture? How do we unpack this? How do we read it? How do we interpret it? And really learning how to do that as a community, not mm-hmm. just me in my own room, but how do we come to a passage together? Um, and then if we do a fifth Wednesday, we go out and we have fun. Um, the first time we did it, we went to an escape room and had a blast. Mm. Uh, second time, the second time was a murder mystery party mm-hmm. that we put on, which was an absolute blast. A lot of people have some really great accents in our community. It's kind <laughs> of phenomenal. <laughs> um, but really, that's that's the format for us. Yeah. I want to ask, I'm going to ask Molly this question because she's okay. been kind of quiet for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, So I can kind of see some of the ingredients of meeting together that are going to help you get to know other people but another aspect is like to actually make yourself vulnerable and allow people to know you you need to develop trust with people Mm -hmm. and that's an intimidating thing yeah um so you you must have like joined a community Mm -hmm. and had people join your community Mm -hmm. um so i can just imagine there's just a whole like swath of people for whom this is like man that's too, it's too much mm. like that's yeah. that sounds like a superpower i don't have like mm. to allow space for that in my life like what advice would you give someone who's who would struggle with i'm not sure i can do that mm. yeah um yeah it was i think it was hard for for me and for jake my husband and myself uh we're both naturally introverted even though uh we fake it and yeah. a lot of people think we're have your stage persona. Uh, we do. Uh, <laughs> and, and we both love people. And so we, we're kind of got that social introversion going on. But at the end of the day, we need alone time to recharge. Um, that's not an excuse to not participate in community. But it oftentimes can feel like an easy out because it's like, oh, I recharge by being alone. And so I'm just going to be alone tonight. So uh, it's naturally harder to, to fight for those things. And I think um, me moving here from... San Diego I knew absolutely no one besides my husband and so knowing that it was not only just a a command or a commission um, an invitation if you will in the Bible it it's for our benefit it is ultimately Mm -hmm. is for our benefit and so uh, as an encouragement uh, community takes time it's it's not something that you'll get after one um, one meeting it's something that you need to invest in that's huge you don't have to put yourself fully out there like day one yeah yeah it's 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 kind of like dating Mm -hmm. you know you're kind of sparring feeling each other out a little bit absolutely and and some uh something one of my mentors once told me was um uh 
posture yourselves and posture yourself in such a way that you are interested in other people rather mm. than trying to appear interesting. And so that's kind of been like my motto going into community is like I am going to uh, invest my time in getting to know the people around me. Um, now, that being said, I, I can also use that as a crutch to not allow people in mm. of like hiding behind questions, if you will. And so it really does take that trust that you mm-hmm. said, Richard, to 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 trust the other person that they're going to steward well the vulnerability the sufferings etc that you share with them and i think that also takes time it takes investment it takes time um and it takes um being having that vulnerability with the lord as well if you're not if you're not doing it with the lord it's going to be really hard for you to find yourself trusting other people as well and so the two go hand in hand yeah they relate absolutely i like the way you said it's like it's not just like an optional extra it's something you knew like the bible says I need this. Mm-hmm. Jesus is a really good judge of what I need. Yep. But it's amazing how many people I've seen encounter community for the first time and be like, you know, after doing it for a while, be like, whoa, like this is amazing. This is so good. I don't know how I ever existed without this before. Mm. I couldn't survive without this now. But for lots of them, the tragic thing is they had lived like loads of years of their adult life without it and had just normalized coping mechanisms for making up Yep. For being so I think there's so many people who would say, I don't really need it. And it's mm-hmm. like it was like someone like limping along with a crutch and you're like, Hey, would you like me to fix your leg? And they're like, No, I, I don't need it fixed. Yeah. I'm getting around just fine. And you're like, but you're not, you yeah. know. And it's one of those things like until you experience it, it's really hard to actually make a good judgment ourselves about do I need this? We're just too good at making fake substitutes yeah. that we think are are good and they just aren't you kind of have to listen to what the bible's saying about hey you need this and have a willingness to to go okay well i may not feel the need for this but i understand it's good so i'm I'm gonna at least dip my toe in the water i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna step out i'm gonna i'm gonna serve with some group of folk i'm gonna enter into a west side community yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna sit in the same spot every sunday with around some people i maybe recognize and at least start to get to know some of their names Um, and like molly said it takes time so oh, you yeah. give it some time, but yeah, you can try it out. And it's almost like a skill as well. Yeah. You and the people you do it with will slowly improve, but because we're all broken people, we're not naturally wired that if we get together, play board games, all of a sudden amazing <laughs> right. Christian communities happening. Yeah. It's going to take like it some takes effort and missteps and forgiving each other and trying again and doing yeah. it differently. And, and, you know. and, and, and honestly, I think that this is a really important topic to touch on. It's going to get messy at times. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be uncomfortable at times. You could have you could just be starting into community. You could have been in community for a year and a half, but maybe there's some conflict that comes up. Maybe there's a personality that's just kind of rubbing you the wrong way. It's not always going to be fun, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's gonna be good. And that comes back to that kind of where we started with like cultural Portland community is like, oh yeah, I can relate to these people, so I enjoy hanging out with yeah. them. Yeah, but the moment you don't relate, you just step away and find a new friend yeah. group, which yeah. is just not christ-like at all yeah yeah there's a there's an excellent book i'm forgetting the author's name but it's called the compelling community and it it addresses a lot of um the the cultural inclination to find people that are similar to you um but that's not challenging people that are similar to me uh, don't challenge me don't give me a new perspective those that are are different than me i can i can learn from we can learn from one another um not just generationally, but even just, um, yeah, through a, a wide view of, um, of differences. It's, it's, 
it's what promotes growth is is getting to learn from one another if, if i had copies of myself i would never learn yeah anything yeah. <laughs> it would just be comfortable so i, I want to get back to um we we said we would like what does this christian community look like right example it now yeah. bethany there was a passage in acts mm. that you were like oh this is a really yeah. important one do you want to read it point us to that one yeah so at the end of acts 2 um we get a look at the uh the way that the the church did look um shortly after jesus's ascension um let's see where is it okay so acts 2 verse 42 42. yes they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together, and to prayers. A sense of awe was felt by everyone, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all as anyone had need. Day after day they met in the temple, continuing with one mind, breaking bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joyous and generous hearts, praising God continually continually, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And I realize as I read this, read this that this is the Amplified Version. So if uh, you want to look in your NIV, that's fine too. Yep. Like I said before, <laughs> we did a podcast on translations. You can use whichever one you want now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so should we do like a quick fire round of mm, like okay. what are some things? Because there's probably like a dozen things oh, in so here much. that they were yeah. doing. So go on, Bethany. This was your, like, your favorite. Mm. So you get to pick the first oh, one. Oh, goodness. Well, the first thing that's mentioned is that they were faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles so they were there was some sort of teaching involved there was some yeah. sort of learning and not just like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to the sermon and kind of just just hear it but like a wrestling with it a um really like paying attention at the edge of their sheets like listening and and digesting it together yeah um so yeah like we were talking about like that dialogue yeah. you don't get that on a sunday in a community you can yeah. And so it's more than just like a support group. You're not just advising each other, mm. but you're stepping into helping each other in the midst of actually having a book full of advice called God's Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Allowing that to orient the way you help each other. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, the one that stands out to me, eating together. Indeed. Now, uh, honestly, though, there's a really great um, practical benefit to this. As, as one I was alluding to, I mean, you and your husband are more on the introvert side. Um, the irony of the community life team is that I think we're pretty much all introverts on our team. <laughs> Which is slightly ironic given what we're supposed to be doing, but it, it works out relatively well. Again, we're also very people-oriented. We love people. Um, but one of the things that helps me, especially when I'm starting to meet new people, is being able to have some time to think about what I'm going to say before I say it. Being able <laughs> to come into a community, immediately be fed, sit down next to someone, and have them ask me questions. And if I don't know what I want to say immediately, I just shovel a spoonful <laughs> of food in my mouth, chew on it really slowly as I yeah. think about what I'm trying to say. That is a top tactic. I, it works. I've become a genius at this. What can I say? <laughs> and then be able to respond. It, yeah. it provides me a, a space where I feel comfortable and safe being able to engage in conversation because I know I have a little bit more time to think about what I'm going to say. Yeah. Sometimes we use the phrase doing life together, mm-hmm. which is very vague, but yeah. I think very this vague. eating together gets at that. They Doing a Bible study together might sound like a spiritual thing, although it's a kind of normal thing too, but eating together is like, well, that's just a normal life thing. Mm-hmm. And so you see the aspects to, of togetherness had some of the like everyday routine stuff they did together yeah. and some of the, oh, we're following Jesus now. We need to do this different thing 
follow the apostles' teaching. Absolutely. One of those other different things, because we have the breaking of bread mentioned here, and so so we have meals mentioned, but we also have breaking of bread, which is having communion together. Right. Yeah. So that's that's another extra one. And uh, well, in that first sentence, the the next one was prayers. So praying together. So again, that's. I mean, that's an interesting one. If you were like a new Christian, praying together would be a new thing. Mm -hmm. But if you've you know been following Jesus for a while, just praying becomes a part of your normal life. Yeah. And you actually start to do that together. And we often think like praying together means, oh yeah, well we all live in Sherwood, not us, but me and my community. Yeah. So we're gonna like when we meet, we'll pray for Sherwood. But actually it could be more of a like, man, I've got a decision. I'm just like, I'm praying, God, what should I do? Now I can pray and have that conversation with God with these other people in my community and ask them to listen to what God has to say. So this actually- idea of prayers is like all the different types of prayer. Yeah. And honestly, that was probably one of the most um, impactful nights of our community. There was a night where we just, uh, we ended a little bit early, so we asked if anybody was wanting prayer and if so to speak up and then sit on the ottoman and we'll all lay hands and pray for them. And started off with one or two people kind of speaking up. And then by the end of the night, it turned out that everyone had something on their heart that they were really hoping to have the community intercede for them on. Mm. Um, and so collectively, each of us brought something that was really weighing heavily on us before everyone being vulnerable again and then being able to intercede with everyone before god mm-hmm. um mm, that was good that's cool yeah go on molly you pick one okay just um, to throw you under the bus i, know. <laughs> <laughs> what? I think the ones that are no left are the harder ones <laughs> um uh, so actually this one i always find interesting they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who uh, had need um yeah, I don't think we're very good at Mm-mm. this in our, our day and age. Um, it's also hard to figure out how it how it's applicable in such an affluent society. Yeah, um. absolutely. Because I, I, I imagine I, our community, we all live in the same apartment complex. Um, and so we're not owning property, so that wouldn't work. But but even, um, yeah, the way that we've applied it is is if, if there's someone in our community that financially... Um, is struggling if something came out of nowhere um we'll prayerfully consider like um, anyone who is able just to to, like donate a little bit to help them uh, alleviate some of the financial pressure um but it's a hard one because especially when you don't have a ton yourself that that sacrificial giving comes at a cost Mm. um but to to practice it when you have little um is is building those muscles for like if there's a time or a season in your life where god blesses you with a lot it's the same it's the same discipline regardless of how much you have um and so that's something that jake and i have been um yeah seeking to be intentional about is is being generous with what little we do have uh to the people that we love and are surrounded by um but yeah it's hard it's hard to it's hard to do it's a it's a sacrifice that's that's what biblical community is it would be Mm. easier to just keep it all to ourselves yeah but the great thing about this is it it allows for level of creativity as well um in being able to meet one another's needs uh, you you can go about in ways that aren't just financially providing for them Mm, i i want to I love my parents. My parents are fantastic. And I, I want to I kind of put a line on them real quick on one of the ways they kind of creatively went about this. There was a period uh, a few years back where they were constantly finding themselves in situations where some young people around them were just needing places to be. And so what they did is they just opened their house up for seasons and they just welcomed folk in and let them kind of hang out, be around for a few months, find a little bit of healing. And then they would typically transition out on their own time 
Um, and mm. so it was their way of, they may not be able to give financially, but they were able to give space. Yeah. Space and kind of affection, just familial affection, and just be present with people. Mm. Um, so the needs of our society may be slightly different, but we can go about filling those needs in creative ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's good. One of the things I like in this passage is that because of what God was doing, there was awe. Like mm-hmm. everyone who was watching was kind of struck with awe. And then at the end it says they had favor with all the people. So there's this interesting thing in that, that these commu- this community, this way of life was visible to outsiders. Mm-hmm. And people were like, whoa, that looks really cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you even see at the very end it says, and the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. At yeah. the end of, of what it looked like to live in Koinonia Fellowship. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> say, so they went around preaching. Which is really interesting. Oh, we, yeah. we are supposed to preach. We're supposed to evangelize. Like all these things, other bits of the Bible, we'll talk about that. But here you might expect if we're going to connect up like cause and effect type stuff, then I would point at those things. But actually it's this near living, mm-hmm. which is having a result of day by day, people are coming to know Jesus and becoming a part of the community. I mean, if, if we look at this from a slightly different angle, one of the things, when, when Christ was coming and he, w- he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, right, and he was performing miracles, he was giving signs of what that com- coming kingdom was going to look like. In community, in, in the fellowship, we have a similar opportunity to demonstrate actively what th- that kingdom, when it's fully here, fully present, is co- kind of going to look like. Right. We've got the ability to show there's a different way of doing life. There's a different way of going about things. I don't have to worry just about myself. I can worry about the people around me, and I know that they're going to be worrying about me. And together, we're going to be able to develop something that's far more beautiful and stable than mm-hmm. anything I could ever create on my own. And that visibility thing, I'm thinking about your example, Molly, of like, oh, maybe someone in our community, their car breaks, and we like rally mm-hmm. around to help them get it fixed or something. It'd be really easy for that person when their neighbor says, oh, no, I thought your car was broken. You couldn't get to work to say like, oh, yeah, God provided. But actually, if they say, yeah, you know what? My my community all gave me the money. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. like, what? Exactly. <laughs> I, I want in on that. Like, that sounds cool. So sometimes the visibility is, I don't know, there's just a way we're used to talking about our lives mm. where we're not actually very open with mm. others generally and and if you let people know that you're not perfect and god uses your community to help in those places of brokenness where you need support healing encouragement you know facing tough trials and things those become the opportunities for people to be struck with awe and to to, it gets you that favor which then is yeah then people are seeing the thing that they want in you it makes jesus more visible yeah which is that it comes back to the philemon thing like Paul inserted himself in this relationship in a koinonia way and was Jesus to Philemon and Onesimus and then invited them to be Jesus to each other. Mm. And so, well, yeah, if we're all doing that, there's going to be a lot of Jesus shining out. So yeah. that's going to work. <laughs> all right, so we, we've, we've gone over time a little bit. I want to finish with, suppose someone's listening and they're like, yes, I believe. Like, <laughs> like I want this. Um like, how would someone go about exploring opportunities to start finding community if their normal experience of Westside is like, I come and I go, but I don't really know anyone? Like, what would be some good steps they could take? Absolutely. Uh, the most obvious one, <coughs> on a Sunday, you're probably already here. You're going to see as you walk in those main front doors, 
you're going to see this counter with the words connect above it. Under that sign, you're going to see a bearded fellow and a gal with super long curly hair. <laughs> Come find us. We'll be there. We'll be happy to connect you and we'll be able to help you find information about communities. Yeah. We'll be able to help you get connected to Westside as a whole. Um, we'll point you in the direction of a course called Alpha, which I think you guys have done a podcast on before. We ha- I was I was hoping you would mention that. Yeah. Because that's one of those like, I'm not sure I'm ready to go to someone's house, but I'd love to try getting to know some people. Doing the Alpha course is just this awesome way to have some food, spend time with people and yeah, get to know them and, and st- start on this journey. Absolutely. I mean, I guess, I guess it's a great thing about community. We have things called West Side Communities, which are our attempts to help steward these environments. But the thing is, you can find community when you're serving alongside people, when you're meeting with people on a regular basis, when you're going through difficult things and you're actually letting people see what's going on. My first community I ever had at Westside was helping out with our college age group, helping out in the kitchen. I did that for a number of years. And that has influenced my understanding of community far more than anything else I've been Mm -hmm. a part of because that's where I first learned to be vulnerable. It's where I first entered into other people's stories. That's where I started to really feel like God was wanting to use me in the context of the people around yeah. me. And I think especially for introverts, mm. serving shoulder to shoulder with mm. someone is a great way to help it be easier for us to, to get mm-hmm. to know two people. The face-to-face thing could be a bit intimidating for us. But yes, which is, uh, so you can go on the website, you can click on serve. Yep. <laughs> you can have a look and be like, all right, well, where shall I ask about joining in and just tick some boxes. So that's another easy one. And then any other questions people may have, they can contact us, community.life at westsideajc.org. We are always happy to help people find community because I know for myself, and I'm pretty certain for Bethany, we would be in a wildly different place if it wasn't for the people who have been around us and the way that they have reflected Christ to us. And we want to see other people be able to have that same experience. Indeed. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, guys. Thank you.